Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. So welcome back to Nothing Confidential, the podcast, uh, or welcome if this is your very, very first time. This is an incredibly important and special conversation. The format is going to be a little bit different. We are going to dive right in. This, this is the intro. There's not going to be a, a fancy intro on the front end. Uh, this is your intro. And why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is Pride Month. We are wrapping it up and it's a really, really important month. And I wanted to offer a safe space for the LGBTQ plus community to share their stories and to be heard. And obviously that is not my experience in the world. And so it's really important to me when I created the space, it's really important to me that I invite people who can represent those voices so that everyone in the community, everyone who listens can feel more seen and more heard. And so I've had, you know, several people on the podcast this month who, you know, fall into that category. And, but that really wasn't what the conversation was about. We were just, that's just something about them. And then we were talking about, you know, whatever else is going on with them. Um, But I couldn't wrap up the month without really having a conversation around coming out and what an important experience that is for someone, for a person. Because I feel like right now in the world, there are so many people, young or old, who still don't feel safe to do that. And I really wanted to have someone come on and have an open-hearted conversation with me about what that is like, about the things in their life that brought them to that moment, about the freedom and the agony and the fear and the relief and all of the nuances and all of the feelings that are tied up in this monumental experience, this opportunity to fully align with who you really are as a person. And so joining me today is a very, very brave, beautiful human by the name of Lex, who has just, as in literally just, I mean, the universe is a very crazy place that brought them to us, just came out as non-binary to their family yesterday. So everything is really raw and really real. And the cosmic nudges that brought Lex and I together tonight, it's incredible. So Lex, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I, oh. yeah, <laughs> take, let's just take a deep breath because. Yeah, take a breath. <laughs> yeah, take a deep breath and center, like let's center. So I guess we'll, we'll start with like the big ticket item and then we'll kind of like work, work all around it because I mean, I can't move much further without like checking on you, I guess. Like you came out to your family yesterday. Like, can you share with us like what that was like, how, how it went, how they took it? Yeah. So, um, I apologize if my voice cracks. So I'm in a, in a weird place with my voice too, because I'm currently on testosterone. I'm taking a very low dose, but I'm transitioning, um, which is its own huge, big conversation. Um, and kind of at the center of why I felt the need to come out as non-binary. Um, I know there's a lot of people who identify as non-binary or somewhere along the gender non-conforming spectrum. There's many different ways that or labels, I suppose, that you can take up. Um, but kind of a similar experience. Um, for me, 
I felt like it was a necessary step for myself um, to be honest with my family about what I'm going through. Um, transitioning kind of nudged me even more because uh, yesterday, no, not yesterday, the day before Father's Day is the day that I saw my family. And it was the first time that I had been with all of them since I started taking hormones. And the very first thing that everyone was saying, are you sick? Because my voice sounds different, mm. um, which is super triggering for me because I just all of a sudden felt like, oh crap, I'm so exposed right now. Um, and felt really uncomfortable having to make up some lie about why my voice sounds different and um, just left kind of that interaction feeling pretty depleted. Um, and I struggle with anxiety and it really just kind of brought all that anxiety to the forefront. Made me really have to like sit and evaluate like what I needed to do in order to feel okay because I knew leaving that situation that I didn't feel safe or okay. Um, and it was really disheartening to know that I felt the most alone I had felt in a long time being in a room of the people that are supposed to be the closest to me. Um, so I had been kind of thinking about, you know, when would be the right time and there's never really the right time. Uh, but I just felt like I had been spending so much of my time in fear and feeling like I was living a double life. And I was dissociating all the time, almost all day long, because I couldn't be congruent in that way that you're discussing, you know, like this, this decision, both to come out and to transition has all been in hopes of being able to be a more congruent version of myself and to um, kind of quiet some of that noise and confusion and to ease some of my dissociating tendencies because my brain just like can't handle all of these different conflicting messages that it's getting all the time. And so I just felt like I needed to do something to step into congruence with myself and just being authentic. And um, it was not um, relieving and it's still not relieving uh, coming out to my family. But I think it's important for me to keep in mind that that choice, though it is very hard and that was very uncomfortable, um, it is a big step towards being able to accomplish that authenticity that I feel like I need in order to, to be the best version of myself and the most at peace with myself. Um, I feel, it feels weird to just talk and talk and talk, I guess, but, um, I don't know. I know There's a lot is, to say here. Yeah. That is the <laughs> weird part about being on a podcast. I, like if you're, yeah. if you're not used to it, you're like, I'm just, I'm just talking. Is it making sense? Is everything <laughs> like lining up? Number one, that was like incredibly eloquent. So you're good to oh. go there. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to support you with a little, with a little structure right now too. So you don't feel like you're just talking and talking and talking. Um, I want to take us back a little bit to Lex before all of this. Would you mind sharing a little bit about just like how you were raised and like what your fa family dynamic was like as a child and like what you kind of grew up around and all of that for context? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Provo, Utah. That's where I live currently. Um, I'm moving up to Salt Lake this next month and I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> um, so I was raised in a family that's LDS. Um, my family on my dad's side is all LDS. On my mom's side, the majority is LDS, but I am not very close with them. So will you explain mom, what LDS is for anyone listening that doesn't know? Oh yes, know? sorry, I guess that's a that's huge okay. assumption because I interact might with so know. many Utahns. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess the the correct term these days is the Church of Jesus Christ is of Latter-day Saints. Of the Latter-day Saints, okay. Yeah. yeah, so I guess they changed it because a lot of people know the LDS Church as like Mormonism or Mormons, and I guess they're trying to stray away from that. Um, but yeah, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Um, so I guess for those who don't know much about the religion, kind of its foundation is based on like family and eternity and being with God and how, at least this is my understanding, other people may disagree, but, but just that um, the whole goal of our life, according to that faith, is to reunite with our Father in Heaven and to be with our families eternally. Um, but what that requires is that you marry um, a person of opposite gender, the opposite sex. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, excuse me, my earbud fell out. Um, yeah, of the opposite sex, and that you're sealed in the temple, and it's that sealing um, ceremony that is supposed to bind you forever, um, which is something that's really difficult um, for people who don't fit into that way of living, and then to be taught your whole life that that's the whole point of everything is that eternity with your heavenly father and your family. Um, but then to realize, at least in my experience, that I didn't fit that. I remember getting a patriarchal blessing, which is a blessing that is given by a patriarch, I believe is what they call it. It's that it's called I'm a not patriarchal great. blessing. That sounds I, like something yeah. you would not want a part of. <laughs> no, I didn't, but yeah. I felt like I had to have it. And I was so mm -hmm. pushed into to doing that because that's what everybody does. And um, it's been a long time since I've been a member. So my terminology may be outdated and I may not have the right things. So excuse me to anyone who knows better than I do. Um, but yeah, basically went to this man's house. He put his hands on my head with my whole family, well, not my whole family, but members of my family that wanted to be there. And they basically just tell you, this is what your life will be if you follow this faith and I don't remember much of it because I think I've tried to kind of block it out of my mind but uh, the one thing that really stuck out was you will marry a man of your choosing and you will be married in the temple and you'll have children and all this stuff and I just remember leaving that and feeling devastated and so confused because I was like I don't want that like it's almost like they're predicting your future and then if you don't follow that future, it's like you're just, you're falling away and into nothingness essentially, because there is nothing else according to them. They are the one and only true church. And that is something that you will hear very, very frequently. And that never sit well with me either, because I don't think that anyone knows that. And I don't think it's fair to assume that you know the one and only true way for every person. Well, point in case, um, there are a lot of religions that think they're the only one. So right. <laughs> they can't all be why, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, religion's kind of something that I'm not really sure how I feel yeah. about just because I didn't have the best experience with it. Yeah. And there's a lot of religions that I'm sure have great things to say. But for me, I choose to not associate with any religion at this point in my life. Yeah. Um, but how that kind of played into my journey as a queer person was in high school, um, I realized I was gay and I started dating girls unbeknownst to my grandmother who I lived with. Um, so I think kind of what's been happening with me currently has been triggering yet again because I feel like I'm reliving trauma. Um, and that's been really intense because I thought, wow, you know, I've come so far. I did it once and I, I got over it and here we are and things are better. And now I feel like I'm back at square one because I had to come out again. <laughs> and that's not something I ever thought I would have to do again. Um, and it's manifested in a very similar way and which has been kind of surprising because I thought maybe it'll be a little different. Maybe it'll be easier this time. Um, but that wasn't my reality. It was pretty terrible. Yeah. And the first time it was a lot of, you don't know that, you're not, it's a phase. Just the stereotypical things that you hear people say and just how invalidating that is to have somebody tell you how you think and what you feel and who you are. Um, and 
especially when you're in high school, I think I was 15 or 16 years old and still unsure of myself, still just trying to figure it out and trying to take a stance and trying to be honest and real with people, but also not really sure how I felt about it. Um, and then kind of those, those voices really shaped a lot of how I felt about myself and how I felt about my sexuality and, um, whether or not it was okay. And if I actually was gay, you know, and, um, there were, I guess the highlights or the, the very harsh realities of that first time coming out were, um, it resulted in my grandma not speaking to me or looking at me, even though we lived in the same home. And that went on for months. Um, every time I left the house, I'd tell her, hi, I love you, grandma, I'll see you later. And there'd be no response. And one day I said to her, you know, it really hurts when you don't say that back anymore. And I said, why don't you tell me you love me? And she said, because I don't. And, uh, it was really, really hard to hear the person that I craved acceptance from the most say that to me. Um, and I don't think she ever really meant it, but it didn't make a difference because <laughs> she said it. Um, and, you know, fast forward years later, trying to have a discussion about trans people and certain policies that Trump was trying to enforce with trans people in the military and how I didn't feel like it was right. And for some reason, this really angered my dad and he stood up and yelled and basically took this as me trying to flaunt my gayness on him and said, you know, I will, he said, I don't give a shit if you're gay or whatever you are. He said, I'm not ever going to carry a pride flag for you. Um, and that just came out of nowhere, <laughs> you know? And these are things that to this day, none of them have ever apologized for. And um, we've never had a discussion. It's just been sort of swept under the rug and uh, things have, yes, gotten better, but they're still the same. I can bring my girlfriend of two years around, but that's about the extent of it. Um, and that just started to really not be enough for me. Um, especially now when I'm trying to discover my identity and kind of my place in the world and who I want to be. Um, I just kind of realized that, you know, they're my family and I love them, but it is, it's abusive. And to be, you know, kind of putting myself in those situations so frequently, even if there's not one of those explosive situations happening, just being in an environment that doesn't support or accept me is damaging to my mental health. And I've been going to therapy a lot for the past few months. And I've just, I don't know if it's just because of COVID-19 and <laughs> everything that's going on, but I mean, I feel like the whole world's having an awakening and I'm having my own personal awakening along with it, which has been the scariest and hardest thing I've ever gone through. And also the most enlightening and beautiful experience I've ever had because I'm, I feel like I'm coming into myself. And I feel like the world hopefully is gonna start waking up and realizing that these things that we don't pay attention to are a problem and just because we don't pay attention to something or actively do something against another person these systems and i don't know this this oppression and mistreatment and discrimination still exists whether or not you're actively doing it and i think that's why this the, you know with the black lives matter movement it really did speak to me with like silence is violence it's like yeah. yes 100 percent with racism with yeah. homophobia, with transphobia, silence is violence. And it's not enough I to just I, be not a racist. Like that's, I think no. that's what everyone's getting a clue about. Like it's not exactly. enough to just be like, oh, exactly. I like black people. Like I know black people. It's like, no, you, if you right. are not being actively anti-racist and like folding that into the fiber of your day and educating your children and having mm -hmm. conversations with your family and like making that, you know, bringing that awareness to your life, you know, like 
privilege is the ability to like push it in the corner and not deal with it anymore when you're tired of it or when you're overwhelmed by it. And yeah, I think I I resonate so much with what you're saying. Just, I think this collective awakening that's happening Mm -hmm. is really important. And I do think that it's shifting everyone to look at like their shadow selves, like at the darkest, like ugliest Mm -hmm. parts of them that they've kind of been ignoring or been asleep to all this time. And it's like, do I want to allow that part of me to like stay in there or do I want to like shine the light in there and, you know, and come into this beautiful congruency that you're talking about, come into real integrity and real alignment with our most authentic and the like highest vibration of ourselves that we can. So that hopefully what we're putting out into the world is, is worth leaving that we're creating a legacy, you know, of love and of Mm -hmm. purpose and of beauty for, you know, the generations after us. Yes. And I, I, I do feel that it, it's been very interesting to see kind of the parallels and um, obviously um, what I experience as a queer white person is different from a queer black person or a cisgendered black person. And um, all of that is its own separate and issue that really needs looking into. And I think that by me trying to like really look into myself and see where my biases are with that, it helped me to kind of realize like, okay, so like, it's okay for me to ask my family to do that for that movement and also for my identity and my sexuality. Cause the reality is that, um, homophobia and transphobia is also a systemic issue. It's also so deeply ingrained into our language, our systems, everything is gendered. Everything, color is gendered, which makes literally no sense, you know? And so, um, I don't know, I just feel like I've started to really wrap my mind around a lot of things by trying to like better myself and be more sensitive to other people's experiences. Um, And having that interaction with my family and seeing kind of their insensitivity to things that are happening um, really hit me in a way that I didn't expect. And I kind of like felt like this is not okay. And I'm, I'm not okay sitting here and allowing this type of behavior towards me or towards anyone else. Um, which is super hard because, you know, they're people that I love, but they're also people who hurt me on a daily basis by staying silent. Um, and you know, when I said, I, I guess I can explain kind of how I came out. I wrote a big letter, just kind of just laying it out for them. Just, this is how I feel. I identify as non-binary, which to me means I am neither male nor female. And I am taking testosterone um, because I feel more most authentic and like myself when I present and express my gender in a masculine way. Um, that doesn't mean anything about what's inside necessarily. It can, but I tried my best to explain it in the simplest of terms, knowing that they wouldn't understand. Um, but I felt like I needed to say it. And the goal wasn't to make them understand. It was just to, for me, say, okay, you were honest. You laid it out there. And now the ball's in their court. You needed to speak your truth. Yeah. And I was just, I was sick of functioning off of fear. Because I realized that in so many different areas of my life, this just being one of them, I function out of fear constantly. And I'm sick of doing that. You know, I'm, I'm sick of not saying things because I'm scared. I'm sick of wearing a mask and being a different person around them because I'm scared of not being accepted. And I guess I just started to come to realize that like the cliche is true that really I need to work on accepting me. And a part of accepting me is not allowing other people to disrespect me or to silence me. Um, And I just explained in the nicest way that I could, like, this is how I feel, this is what I'm doing. Um, 
I mentioned a little bit in there, like I've been out for close to seven years and I have never been able to call Avery, my current girlfriend of two years, my girlfriend to any of them. She's always referred to as the friend, which is super invalidating and not okay to me. I've never said anything about it because it just, it felt easier to just accept that as, you know, that, you know, that's what you're going to get. But I'm tired of settling. I'm tired of just saying, you know, that's okay. That's just the way things are. Because the reality is, no, that's not the way things have to be. And things can change, but they're not going to change unless I do something about it. Um, and so I told them that. And basically, in the shortest terms, um, I love you. And here's this information. And you can choose to push me away or embrace me. And they met me with pushing me away. And uh, just comments of, I don't know, that just kind of manifested all of my fears once again. You know, I've been processing this whole thing through therapy. Um, and the decision to go on hormones was huge and really, really hard. And I'm still unsure about how I feel about it. Because the reality is, is it's a very unknown, uncomfortable thing because I don't know what changes are going to happen. You don't get to pick and choose. Yeah. Um, but I felt stuck and I felt like for some reason I wasn't living as me and I needed to do something about it. Whether or not I regret the decision to take hormones is besides the point. Yeah. I needed to do it because I need to know who I am. and. Um, Sometimes the only way that we can really figure out who we are is to kind of like lean into that discomfort and into the unknown and just write it and see, yeah. see what happens. Um, so that's kind of what yeah. I'm doing right now. And uh, the family didn't help <laughs> with yeah. all the fears that I'm already going through. So, well, I, I, first, I just, I want to acknowledge you for, speaking and sharing your story from the midst of what I call the swirl. You know, it's like really easy to come on like, you know, 10 years later and be like, yeah, I mean, I remember when I came out, it was really hard. And, you know, you've, you've like had all of this time and perspective to kind of like tie everything up with like a neat bow and give people a tangible lesson at the end. Like it's much more comfortable yeah. to do it that way. And you are like, in, I mean, it is raw. Like you were in <laughs> it, you were still processing. Yep. Um, one thing that I thought if you wanted to talk about, if you wanted to share about it, I know that even in some of our earlier conversations today, even when, you know, most people, if you decide that you are, you know, non-gender conforming, you, the pronouns, chosen pronouns are generally them, they, and you had mentioned that, you know, you were still back and forth on whether you wanted to incorporate she, her still, or, you know, or, or other. Um, can you talk just a little bit about your process and like where you are with that? Yeah. I know this is very like nuanced. There's a lot of layers to it. Right. Well, I think that's the perfect thing to talk about. And I think that's kind of at the crux of what I, or I guess why I wanted to do this today is because I've learned through this experience that the people like me don't have a lot of representation or a lot of things to look to. Um, I do struggle with figuring out which pronouns are most comfortable because they, them, it's like, you know, you can't really go wrong with it because I'm not, I think I like that pronoun because it doesn't presuppose anything and both she, her and he, him do. And so I think that's why I find a lot of comfort in they, them, because it doesn't have any like real ideas associated with it. Um, but on the flip side of that, I also still identify very strongly with my womanhood. You know, I've lived for 23 years as a woman and I'm proud to be a woman and I love being a woman, but I'm not just a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of this confusion, um, surrounding my identity and like, especially because, you know, you have to start looking at what does it mean to even be a woman? You know, as like I was born biologically female, therefore I have lived my life as a woman. But really, when I get down to it, what are those things that I love about being a woman 
you know, it's my feminine characteristics. I'm a very like empathetic, caring, motherly person. But then when you look at it, it's like, why, why are those things just female characteristics anyway? Mm. You know, and it's scary because I think I've had a lot of fears of transitioning and presenting in a male way and having people say to me, well, you're not a woman. Mm. If that's how I choose to identify. Um, and a majority of that comes from my own community. There's, I mean, I watched the whole series of the L word and they had the character Max in there. It was like the first transgender person that they introduced in the show. And there's a scene where I can't remember what her name is, but he's having a discussion with this woman. And she says, you know, you're giving up the most precious thing in the world. And he says, what my tits. <laughs> and she goes, no, being a woman. And that, like, I remember watching that it was before I even knew really what my identity is. And I still don't know completely, but, um, and I just remember having that comment for some reason, strike a lot of fear in me. Um, cause it's like, I'm, I'm not trying to like stop being a woman. It's, I'm not ashamed of being a woman. I'm not, I don't hate my body. And there's this assumption that if you want to change your body, that you hate your body. Mm. And that's not the reality. I think women's bodies are beautiful and I just happen to have a curvy one. And that causes me some dysphoria because it doesn't match how I feel. Um, and I want to change that, but that doesn't mean that I hate myself and it doesn't mean that I hate my body. Likewise, my grandmother, every time I see her, she just loves to tell me how beautiful I am and how pretty of a woman I am. Um, but there's always kind of this like, oh, and you'd be so much more beautiful if you grew out your hair and you wore makeup and you embraced your femininity. And she always kind of talks about, she said to me on several occasions, I just wish that you thought you were beautiful like I do. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, I do think I'm beautiful. And the fact that just because I don't meet some expectation of what a beautiful woman is supposed to look like, I can't love being a woman or love myself because, or think that I'm beautiful just yeah. because I don't fit that stereotype. And, um, cause not that I've it matters, but you are an incredibly striking human. So it's like, <laughs> Man or woman, you're, you're beautiful, like straight up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess that's been like the big fear with the pronoun thing is like, if I identify as they, them, do I have to lose my womanhood? Do I have to, um, or like, am I going to slip up and call myself she, her, and then somebody's going to call oh, me out geez. for it and say, you know, because that, that happens. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it happen with my friends and it's like, you know, if somebody's trying to figure themselves out, like we need to just be kind to them and like try and understand instead of, you know, yeah. correcting their own pronouns or I've also seen it in the reverse where it's like, if somebody messes up your pronouns on accident and then it's like, I'm never speaking to you yeah. again. It's like, we need to engage in these conversations and explain what pronouns mean to us and why we use them um, instead of, just being angry and like shutting ourselves off from people because nobody's going to like learn or understand who you are. Yeah. You can't talk about it. Um, and that's sensitive too though, because everybody's got to talk about it at their own pace, but yeah. Well, and here's, um, <laughs> I don't know if this is the correct thing to do or not. So I'm just going to preface this by saying <laughs> from the crooks of my white, blonde, straight, cis, privileged corner, um, I'm going to offer you a thought <laughs> that I'm having while you're talking. And that is just, you know, as you're talking about, you know, feeling like not, you know, you don't want to conform to any, you know, one gender since there's only two, like you, you know, you don't feel like you should pledge allegiance necessarily to like one or the other, but you don't want to give up, you know, your womanhood. And I, just this thought that I'm having is that because we don't have any other language for it, which we really need to work on, when you get into it on an energetic level, right? Like there is masculine and feminine energy within all of us, like in every right. 
identifying man walking the planet right now, there is feminine energy, which represents certain traits, the nurturing, the creativity, the fluidity, all of that. And then within every walking, identifying woman, there is the masculine that we kick into to get shit done, to create boundaries, to, you know, bring order and to, to drive things forward. And, you know, I I think it's much easier said than done, but I think that as you're going through this process, like just understanding or, or offering yourself the opportunity to embrace simultaneously the masculine and the feminine energies Mm -hmm. and understanding that like, even if you swap your pronouns, even if you drop pronouns, even, you know, if, if you decide not to, like you carry both of those energies and, and nobody can take that away from you. And you're not less of a, you know, you're not less of a woman. Like your, your feminine energy doesn't leave just because you decide to give up those pronouns and your masculine energy doesn't leave if you decide to keep them. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I agree. And I think that that's the real struggle and challenge of being a a non-binary person is, um, trying to navigate that middle place and what it means and how it fits in society. Cause you know, our gender literally influences everything. Mm -hmm. It influences the way that we're perceived. Well, I guess our gender expression, but, but also it's just ingrained into everything that we do and think. And, um, and so like, I, you know, I've been raised in a binary society that tells you this is this and this is that. Um, And so what I'm really having to do right now is sort of reconstruct my beliefs and my implicit ideas of what it means to be a woman, a man, or neither. Um, And you're right. At the end of the day, really, no one is a woman or a man because these are just constructs that we've created to explain things. And, And when you start looking at gender and it's how it works it's like you know your biological sex your gender identity and your gender expression are all three separate things that interact with each other and sometimes they match up and sometimes they don't um and so intersectionality is so important that's why you can't like thank God that language came on the scene you know unfortunately not that long ago but like intersectionality is one of the most important elements that needs to be brought into all of these conversations about race and privilege and sexuality Mm -hmm. and all of that. I agree. But I mean, I think that's where, I don't know, I guess my biggest struggle right now is that I have all of these ideas and this understanding of the way that I, you know, I see gender functioning and stuff because I'm going to school to hopefully be a therapist who focuses on gender and sexuality and so this is stuff I've put a lot of thought into and tried to really understand and it's not something you can ever really fully understand because it's it's both a collective and individual experience um and so it's been really difficult trying to explain to my family who thinks in black and white um but also explain to myself and that's been the biggest one is it's it's really confusing and hard when you don't even understand yourself because you don't have the right language for it. You don't have, again, like coming back to the resources, I don't have a referent, you know, I don't have something to look to really. And thank God the term non-binary came into the scene because I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. No. And I spent years going, well, shit, am I trans? And then going, no, I'm not trans because I don't feel like a man. And so, you know, that term kind of circulating throughout media started getting me thinking and understanding like, oh, there's, there's more to this. There's so much more to this. Um, and there's so much more to being trans as well. There's so much that comes into our identity and our gender, sexuality and expression are just parts of an even bigger identity as well. And so it is really difficult to try and navigate all of these very intricate pieces Um, when a lot of them are working against each other Mm. and a lot of what you see and read and hear everywhere is telling you that you don't exist. 
you know, there's, there's policies being passed that are invalidating and taking away rights from trans people. Um, and there's, but there's, there's not even really discussion about being non-binary for the most part in anything mainstream, you know, and I watched a documentary disclosure, which was amazing, um, about, um, just kind of how transgender people have been portrayed through film and media throughout the years. And it, you know, it spoke to me in a lot of ways, but I was sitting there watching that and it wasn't until like the end of the film that there was like one person that came on that, that looked like what I kind of see myself as being on TV, you know, they, they had feminine energy and they had a mustache and I was like, okay, maybe that, you know, that person's kind of like me, but it's very rare to ever find a person that even remotely, you know, represents how I feel. And so I'm trying to create an identity (laughs) and an expression that I don't ever see anywhere. And even when I'm digging for it, I don't see it, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to make this decision to go on T and having the majority of my resources be people who are transgender who are fully transitioning for the most part. And I'm sitting here going, okay, but I don't know if that's my goal. Like what's that middle place look like? You know, what happens if I go on T for only this amount of time and on this, you know, on a lower dose, what's going to happen to my body? There's, there's just not a lot of answers to these questions. Um, and that's really scary and sometimes really invalidating and isolating Mm. and can kind of cause you to feel like you're crazy. Yeah. And, and then to have a family tell you, um, I won't read verbatim what was said, but essentially, you know what, Lex, I'm saying this because I love you. Hmm. You sound confused. It sounds like you don't know who you are and you're doing this to kind of mask the fact that you don't know who you are, or what you're doing, all this stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's like, great. Thank you for saying that to me. That's already how I feel about myself. That's already yeah. what I'm fighting and battling in myself and in my head and like body every single day. So thank you for telling me how confused I am. Cause yeah. hell yeah, I'm fucking confused. Why wouldn't I be confused? Because there's, there's nothing for me to look to no point so of reference I'm trying to, yeah. yeah i'm trying to reconstruct myself out of essentially nothing you know and so yes i am confused but who are you to tell me that you know like it doesn't help and it doesn't matter if i'm confused you should love me regardless yeah and that's something that we miss a lot is it's like you know it's like we we make people have to identify as something and have to know what mm-hmm. they are and and they're they're lesser than or they're not strong or don't have their shit together if they don't know but the reality is nobody knows nobody knows anything for the most part and we're all just trying to figure it out well and i Um, i just i want to take a second right now and i want to say to you and i want to say to you know everyone listening and anyone who's ever experienced family rejection or, you know, rejection of any kind based on your personal, you know, identity or anything. It's like you love is our birthright. Like you were born worthy of love. You don't have to do anything to earn it. And it like your being, your ability to be loved is not, it's not based on, you know, what your gender is or what your race is or anything. Like every single one of us was born as an adorable, tiny, helpless baby who is worthy of being loved. And anybody who withholds that love, you know, they, they are wrong. Like that, that there isn't anything in between. Like they might be confused. They might also be hurt. They might like, they might be wrong because they're triggered or because they're, you know, deeply conditioned or because they're angry or because they're confused. Like there's probably lots of reasons for why they're wrong, but they're wrong. And it's, you know, it's not you. (laughs) Like, I yeah. just, and that's, you, it's I mean, hard you need to, to it's know hard that. to differentiate it's, I know, that. <laughs> I know, but you, it is, yeah. it is not you. Like you are yeah. completely lovable and loved and they, you know, I, I can't, I can only imagine I am not in their shoes, but I just, I can only imagine, you know, a parent, especially I'm going to try to get through this without, ugh. 
getting super messy, but I have a baby, I have a little girl now, and I just I can't imagine um, the love that I feel for her and what what confusion and fear and pain I must feel to ever look at her and say to her that I don't love her. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of shit going on with them, but I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want you to know that, you know, there is nothing wrong with you and that you are 100% worthy of love. And, um, and for ever, anybody listening who needs that too, um, I've, I've got that for you too. <laughs> you, you are so loved. And if your family is not able to express love to you for who you really are, then you need to go and find people who can, you need to put yourself around people who can express that love to you right now, because that is so important. And that is what is going to create protection for you with, you know, from the isolation and the anxiety. It's like, you need to feel love and connection right now. So I just, I encourage anyone who is feeling isolated from their families or disowned to find chosen family who can love you as exactly who you are for exactly who you are. Yeah. That's a, and I think family is its own really big, confusing discussion. Um, because, you know, we're not obligated to our families to to stick around if it's not a safe place for us and mm-hmm. that's something that I'm just starting to kind of understand and but it's hard because I love them and I do believe that even though they aren't able to to provide me with the support and love me in the way that I need it doesn't mean that they don't love me um and that's confusing and hard because it is because like, they love you, you know, the only stick. way they know how they love yeah, you all, and I with the stick rules, around, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and boundaries. I, you know, that's to... called boundaries. You have to have right. those. It's like when they're not capable of, you know, loving you in a way that is not like destructive, you know, like they love you in the only okay. way they know how, but that only fits a certain amount of rules. And if you don't fit in there, then they don't know what to do. And so they're just lashing out in fear and confusion and, you have to have, you know, really good boundaries so that you can come out of this in one piece. And I, I think it's, um, a mercy that you are a already deeply engaged in therapy and have that type of support, but that yeah. you're also so passionate about this, that you're literally going to school right now, as we speak to become a therapist who is specializing in these very nuanced, confusing conversations so that future generations of little Lexes who pop up and are like, who am I? You can like sit with them and help them and hold their hand while they go yeah. through this. And I think that is incredibly, incredibly beautiful and just speaks to how empathetic you are as a person. And I just honor you for for that. And before we wrap up, I there are two things. One, if you're listening and you are a Lex from the future, please reach out to present Lex and <laughs> offer them support. Uh, but if if someone is listening right now and they maybe they they identify with you and they're like, this is the first person I've heard who it sounds anything like me who is going through anything like what I'm going through. What is something, I mean, from someone who is still like right in the fresh aftermath of this situation, like what would you offer to someone who's just, just starting this, who maybe hasn't come out or maybe they've just come out and they're feeling similar to you? Like, what would you say to them? There's a lot I wish I could say. I think that the main thing I would say is, you know who you are. And there's a lot of voices and a lot of things that can make that confusing, make you doubt, make you fear. But at the end of the day, you do know. And it is okay to own that. And it's okay to try and figure that out. And it's okay for it to be messy. It's okay for you to not entirely know exactly what the details of that identity is but you do know and it's in there and just because you want to express yourself in a different way or maybe try out a different pronoun or at some point take hormones or get surgery it doesn't have to change who you are fundamentally because you are you and these are just things that we do to try and you know at least for me I I understand it as a way of expressing myself and a way of kind of 
showing other people how I feel on the inside. But that doesn't mean that who I am on the inside is changing because I am externally. Um, so I would just say that just to, to know that you are worthy of love and that you are the only person who gets to define your identity. And if you want to be a woman with a mustache, you can be a woman with a mustache. It's, there isn't anything that, that says you can't. Happy I'll have like, one anyway you, and you, you know, wax it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I want to be a woman with a mustache. So <laughs> I'm going to try and own that, you know. But I guess that's the best that I can say is just that you get to define it. You're worthy of love and it's okay to not completely understand. And I encourage you to, to explore that even though it's scary. I think that's perfect. I think that's the perfect thing to say. Lex, thank you for sharing your heart and for showing up and being seen and for telling your story and for just offering representation to a group of people. Like one thing I know for sure is that we are never the only one, even when we feel like it. And so somewhere out there, is somebody who has just felt like the light just got flipped on for them after being in the dark their whole life. And I'm just so grateful that you felt safe to come and share that here in our space and with our community. And I'm sending love to you on your journey as you continue to, to navigate this and just like, let us know how we can be here for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, I'm just glad I was able to have this opportunity to, to just speak on how this experience has done for me. And I hope that it speaks to somebody else. Mm. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.